So Cristiano Ronaldo and Portugal have punched their ticket to the Qatar World Cup, which will be taking place later this year. We will be taking a look at what happened in their game against North Macedonia and also we will be taking a look at what happened uh, in the game against Turkey as well. But we need to start first with Italy and how they were knocked out of North, against North Macedonia. I thought Italy were just a bit too naive, a bit too complacent. And uh, in a way, they again, I think if they play this game for more 10 times, they win all the 10 times, I think. They were a tad unlucky. I think Berardi missed two great chances. One of them was uh, in front of an open goal. The other one, it was a really nice challenge by Alioski. Uh, but, you know, if you look at the game in total, but uh, I thought North Macedonia played really well. They didn't have their star player in, not Goran Pandev, obviously, because he's retired. It, it was Elif Elmas who was missing from the team. Uh, Tchaikovsky was supposed to shoulder a lot of... Uh, the offensive responsibility. I thought Bardi played really well, the guy who plays for Mainz. Uh, I thought, in in a nutshell, I, I thought North Macedonia were going to defend, defend deep, and then hit on the counter. I thought it was one of those nights for Italy where nothing came, no, nothing came well for them, you know. Uh, now that they have lost out, not now they had lost out to uh, North Macedonia, they had to play a friendly yesterday. Uh, against against Turkey, you know, it was it was certainly unnecessary for them to play that friendly. They won the friendly game, by the way, by three goals to two. So kudos to them. But the main prize was the Qatar World Cup, and they have missed out on it. Uh, again, I think they will be changed in the squad. Maybe Giorgio Chiellini retires from international football uh, after this. Uh, maybe Leo Bonucci follows suit as well. Uh, for Chiellini, I think he was going to retire last season, uh, at, at the end of last season, because he wasn't really getting the better of the injuries. But the thing now is that he does not have the World Cup. He did sign a two-year extension at Juventus last season, but now that he does not have a World Cup to look forward to in December, may as well retire and uh, join the likes of Cherubini and Pavel Nedved upstairs in, in Turin. Uh, but obviously, with Roberto Mancini, I think he was one of the... Uh, best coaches around the international footballing sector. I thought alongside uh, the likes of Tite, uh, even Zlatko Dalic, who I really like as a manager, who is a who manages the Croatian national team. Uh, someone like Luis Enrique is one of them. So uh, Roberto Mancini is right up there at the top. You know, He's one of the best managers around in the, uh, the international footballing uh, game. But, you know, in the, in the end, he had to call some people up. I, I don't understand the decision of uh, putting in Joao Pedro in. Um, I still think that they are a bit lightweight up top. And, uh, well, you need some guy who's clutch. And maybe someone like a uh, Mario Balotelli could have helped. Uh, you know, he called him in for the uh, uh, training camp around in January. But it wasn't really helping them. Now he's called him up. Now he didn't call him up for the international breaks. Uh, I do think, you know, Mancini did everything that he had to do in his power. I don't think it's on him this time around. Uh, it's kind of partly on the players. I don't think uh, the midfield of Barella, uh, Verratti and Jorginho played really well. I thought Jorginho was completely uh, man-marked and given no freedom by Bardi on the, uh, in, in, in the game, completely dominated by Bardi was Jorginho. I thought Barella didn't have a good game as well. Verratti was kind of the best player on the pitch for Italy. If you look at uh, 
if, if, if you look at the entire game, I thought Verratti was the best player on the pitch by far. I thought uh, not Macedonia's defenders played really, really well. I cannot really uh, add superlatives to their performance. Uh, I thought uh, the way Ciro Immobile played for Italy was, uh, again, uh, if, if you're an Italy fan, you, you keep on wanting more from players like Ciro Immobile and Lorenzo Insigne. We'll have to talk about them as well because their future is under the scanner as well because now you, you, you have to say, you know, if... If Italy have to move forward, these two guys, these these two guys have to be the door out. I think Insigne has been a great servant for the Italian national team. Um, he's one of the favourite guys around the Italian public. If you look at the, uh, uh, if you if you look at the overall sentiment of the Italian people, Ciro Immobile is an interesting one because he's such a prolific goalscorer in his club career. He, he's been so so much uh, responsible for all the success that. Uh, lads you have had in the recent past not in terms of the trophies but yeah in terms of the results and everything that they've achieved in Serie A he was a very good player when he was at Dortmund as well so he, he has been a very good player at club level but at international level he cannot really manage to pull things off uh, even in the Euros I think in the Euros he did a pretty good job with uh, playing as uh, a good provider a good worker a good player with a player with a very good industry but in the end, the end product matters, and now for me, you know, they have got a bunch of very good uh, young players coming up. You look at the likes of Chiesa, you look at the likes of Raspadori, Scamacca, um, Nicolò Zagnolo. Uh, you also have to add in Domenico Berardi, for that matter. Uh, if Andrea Bellotti also tries to become a bit prolific, I mean, he's been scouted around by teams like Atletico Madrid, so if he is going to go and get a very big... Uh, club in the near future then then maybe him as well you look at someone like a Vincenzo Grifo from Freiburg who wasn't called up for this uh, international break by Italy and is a very very good player but again you know if, if you look at the future then these are the players who can be those guys who take this team forward you look at Gigi Donnarumma who is uh, well he is one of those guys who who's going to be there for uh, the national team for years to come now. If you look at the defence, I think Bastoni is going to be the rock in the defence for years to come. I think Acerbi is kind of getting away from his prime. You look at other players who can fill that gap. I think Mancini is one of those guys from Roma. Gianluca Mancini I'm talking about. Uh, if you look at other guys, you know, there are not, not many options. I think... Uh, you, you can look at teams uh, from the uh, other other halves and always compare them to Italy and play the way they have been. Uh, I think you have to say that the midfield as well has been very, very good over the years uh, with the likes of uh, Verratti, with Giorginio and Barella and Locatelli. You know, so many good players. You know, Sandro Tonali can always be in the mix. Uh, if you look at the likes of the fullbacks as well, you have got players who can really pull their weight forward uh, in a lot of aspects. You look at Emerson, who can do a job for you. You look at Spinazzola, who's one of the best fullbacks for the national teams. Uh, if you look at Giovanni Di Lorenzo, Alessandro, De Alessandro Florenzi, even someone like Vincenzo Grifo can play as a wing-back for you. So you've got a lot, loads of options, but the thing is now the time has gone by. They will have to wait for another opportunity to get to the World Cup. And I think they're architects of their own downfall, in a way, because they couldn't manage to beat Northern Ireland. They couldn't manage to beat 
Bulgaria. They missed. I mean, you know, Georgina squandered two penalties against Switzerland. So they were one of one of those reasons why they aren't going to the World Cup. But again, it's very hard to just pin it all on Georgina. I mean, it's a team sport, so. Everyone has to take the blame. Again, you know, he's a midfielder. He's not going to be responsible for scoring goals. I mean, what if he misses a penalty? I mean, your front line should be able to score goals for you. Uh, and in the end, that's what matters for me. Uh, again, if you look at uh, what uh, Italy can achieve in the near future, I think they can. I mean, again, you know, they've lo- they're not going to the World Cup for the second year in a row. Uh, if you look at... Uh, what's in store for them they have got the nations league coming up but i don't know how much relevance is that going to have uh euros again would be a chance for them to solidify themselves as one of the big teams around in your world football so it's not over yet they would have been one of the teams which would have been seeded up so we'll have to see how that goes up for uh Italy, they will be watching the World Cup from home and, you know, best of luck to Roberto Mancini and company, you know, they're going to have a very, very hard time now. Well, as for Portugal, it was very, very easy then because they had to face Turkey in the first game and then they had to go against North Macedonia at the dragout to uh, confirm their place in the World Cup and they have been uh, in the World Cup now for six consecutive years. Uh, six consecutive tournaments, should I say. Uh, it is a very important World Cup now for Cristiano Ronaldo. It was one of the main reasons why I thought that the, the, the future of Ronaldo was would have been in, under a bit scanner because if he wouldn't have been at the World Cup, if they wouldn't have won the playoffs, Portugal, then uh, it would have been the last that we would have seen of Cristiano Ronaldo at top, top football. Uh, I think he will play another season at Manchester United, provided that they get in the Champions League, uh, which is not really a 100% guarantee as of now. Uh, if you look at what uh, uh, Ronaldo can achieve from the Portuguese national team, it is it, it, it is immense. I think the way uh, Portugal played in the first half against Turkey was, was really, really good. I think we need to see a lot of... Uh, what they can do at this level. Uh, I think the way they uh, played in the second half against Turkey was the mirror image of what Portugal really are under Roberto, uh, under Fernando Santos as of late. I think uh, against North Macedonia in the first 30 minutes, they were very, very nervy. The game was a bit scratchy. North Macedonia were closing people down. Every single time a Portuguese player had a ball, they were swarming around them. You know, They were making life difficult for Portugal to... Uh, get around the box and then again the captain gives gives the ball away a cross field ball uh, collected by Bruno Fernandes really nicely collected and gives it to Ronaldo and that the beautiful one two between the legs of the defender Bruno Fernandes makes it one nil and then the game and, and then the Portuguese fans settle their nerves and then again if you look at the second goal as well what a beautiful finish by the way by uh, uh, by, by Bruno Fernandes, I, it it came. It was uh, with that tackle from Pepe, which started everything. That brilliant counter attack, good ball by the way by Diogo Jota, played in uh, Bruno Fernandes, one uh, two nil, and it was game set and match for Portugal. After that, you know, they just kept the ball ticking around and uh, got over the line eventually. Uh, but that's not what I'm going to talk about. It's uh, what's next for Portugal. I think uh, with Portugal. You always have a, a bit of uncertainty because Fernando Santos, you know, it. say for example, Fernando Santos has got a very good philosophy, but the philosophy was good when the team was not that good. I mean, the team was around, built around Ronaldo, built around the defence, like the, as the likes of Jose Font, the likes of Pepe, 
uh, they had some very good players up top, uh, you know, Ricardo Quaresma, Luis Nani, they had uh, to supplement Cristiano Ronaldo accordingly, uh, not much uh, exp uh, exquisite midfielders like the ones that they have right now, they had the likes of William Carvalho, they had the likes of uh, Joao Moutinho, who was a very good player back then and he's even now, uh, again, players like uh, Joao Mario as well, you know, was very scratchy team, very uh, defensive type of a team. But now that they have got that quality up, up top, you know, the quality all across the pitch, I think they need to just sort these things out because they have six Nation League games. They will have one or two friendlies as well. So you've got eight games still, roughly eight games, six for sure, until the World Cup campaign kicks around. So maybe you sort things out here if you're Portugal if you if Fernando Santos or if you're Fernando Santos just leave the job because you're tarnishing your own legacy you've won Portugal two trophies already so how about you just leave the uh, how how about just you, you just leave the leave, leave the job to someone else i mean they can actually get in someone like Andre Villas Boas um, if he's available and if he wants to come in, maybe someone like a Paolo Fonseca, who for sure would be a very good option uh, with his with his attacking style of play, can really uh, get a lot better out of this Portuguese national team. I think still the thing to come for me is that they need to sort things out in 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 certain positions. I think uh, the goalkeeper thing. Uh, I thought Rui Patricio didn't deserve to uh, to start in the, in the two games, but I thought that would be the way to go. But he started Diogo Costa, Fernando Santos, and I think that was a good thing. I thought Diogo Costa has had a very good season at Porto. Um, maybe he should have, uh, in terms of form, in terms of pure form, I think Jose Sa has been really, really good for Wolverhampton Wanderers. So he would have been the, my choice to start. But it wouldn't have been wise enough to start Jose Sa or even Diogo Costa for that matter. So I would have kept Rui Patricio. But looking at the World Cup, I would get, get Jose Sa into my starting eleven. At right back, I would say I would go for Joao Cancelo. At left back, you have to see who's in better form. I think I've got no problem whoever they play, even Nuno Mendes or even Rafael Guerrero, the best player who's in the, who's in the best of Knicks, starts for me. I think Ruben Diaz is a lock for one centre-back position. I think the second centre-back position is a bit of a conundrum to solve. I don't think it's going to be Jose Font, but he would be a very good option to be around. Pepe... Ah, I mean, it's 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 a bit of a tough thing tough thing to say, but I think Pepe is a very good intelligent. He, he's become a very intelligent footballer since he's uh, gained this experience. He's thirty nine years of age now, and he he's he's someone who's got the know how. He's got he's done it. He's seen it all. So I I don't know. I I won't play Pepe. I think these two guys, Jose Font and uh, Pepe, would be a very good, would be very two good players to be around the Portuguese national team. But if you're Portugal and if you're Fernando Santos, I would say you get someone like a David Carmo. I, and, I, I, and on this pod, I have been waxing lyrical about David Carmo from Braga. And I think uh, if Braga somehow get to the finals of the Europa League, I see clubs queuing up for him uh, in the summer. I think he was very, very close to joining Liverpool. I think he's a very good footballer. He's a good defender. He can play really, really well. I think he would be a very good option alongside Ruben Diaz or even someone like a Diego Leite who was linked to Newcastle some weeks ago, some some seasons ago. Maybe he can be that guy. Uh, but not Pepe or someone like El Jose Font. I mean, worst case scenario, they are in the sword. I, I won't have any problem with them, but 
if you're understanding what I'm trying to say, that no, the, the, these two, one between David Carmo, even Diego, uh, Diego Leiter, uh, or even someone like Gonzalo Inacio, who's had a very good season at Sporting Lisbon, he was in the squad for uh, these two, uh, uh, these two qualifiers. So I, I won't mind someone getting an order ahead of Pep and of Jose Font uh, in the in the defensive midfield position, in the number six position. I think Portugal like to play a very robust kind of a midfielder, very good midfielder who can have good defensive discipline. And I think in terms of that, I would say they can play someone like a uh, Danilo Pereira. And alongside him, I would have Ruben Neves. And then along with those two in a midfield three, I would have Bernardo Silva. Or even if you, want, if you don't want that, if you want a more attacking side of a midfield, a more position-oriented team, you can have Ruben Neves as your number six play Bernardo Silva on the right and play someone like a Renato Sanchez on the left. You know, that's a very good midfield three, if you ask me. And then in up top, I think you can play a number 10. And in terms of number 10, I don't mean you'd need to play Bruno Fernandes. I would rather play Bernardo Silva. I would rather play Joao Felix as a number 10 and play two up front, which suits Ronaldo, which suits Portugal with those two wing, with, with those two fullbacks. If Danilo plays, then the fullbacks can push up really high. If Neves plays, you know, there would be a lot more position-oriented football around in the Portuguese national team. And then you can have uh, Ronaldo to the right and maybe play Andre Silva because he can give you a lot more uh, number nine kind of a, uh, a a more presence like a number nine. Jota is more of a direct player, as a more direct uh, player for Liverpool as well. If he, he's, he's a natural number nine for Liverpool when he plays there, so I hope that he plays for Portugal as well in the same way. He's got a knack of scoring important goals, Diogo Jota. So maybe, yeah, Diogo Jota or anyone, you know, he's got options, you know, wealth of options there. You know, if you look at that, you still have players like Gonzalo Guedes, who's had a fantastic season so far at Valencia. You look at Rafael Leao, you look at the guys who are who can be integrated into the team, uh, like... Uh, like Rafa Silva, who's been one of the best servants around for the Portuguese national team. Uh, you look at João Moutinho, look at William Carvalho, you look at Matheus Nunez, who's been one of the best players around in the Portuguese league, João Palinha. Uh, those, those two players have been really, really good off late for Sporting Lisbon. Uh, so all, all these guys around, they, they can have a very good team, but not under Fernando Santos, I don't think so, because... Uh, well, his time is come and gone. I think if he stays, he's gonna tarnish his legacy. If he leaves, he might just leave Portugal into a very in, in very good hands with the World Cup to come, and you know they will be very very thankful to them. But that's what I think in in the way that I know what Portugal would do with the FPF would do, they would keep Fernando Santos till the World Cup and then see what happens next. So along with Portugal, Poland have also qualified for the World Cup as they beat Sweden at home by two goals to nil. Sweden were particularly very good in this game. They played really well against Czech Republic as well. Uh, they went into this game on the back of uh, a very strong result against a very good side. So they were on a high. As for Poland, they played Scotland in a friendly game as Scotland are due to play Ukraine, who will play uh, the winner, uh, who, who the game's winner will play, go on to play uh, Wales and Gareth Bale, which will, about whom we will be talking about in just a bit. But, you know, if you look at this game, Sweden against Poland, it was kind of labelled as Ibrahimovic against uh, Robert Lewandowski, and that was going to be the uh, big talking point here who is going to go through to the Qatar World Cup in 2022 and if you look at this game it was 
if, if it's kind of like Sweden played really, really well, you know, and they were being punished because of some poor errors in defence. So the first penalty, which was given away just before the half-time, and Robert Lewandowski is not going to miss out on those opportunities. I mean, then again, you look at, at the mistake which... Uh, in, in, in the defence from Sweden where Piotr Zielinski just capitalises on that and uh, puts the ball in the back of the net uh, I thought Szczesny made a fantastic save to uh, get to put uh, Emil Forsberg's efforts at, at, at arm's length uh, I thought Sweden played really really well they do have a very good squad around them they have got wealth of attacking options right now you know obviously I don't think Zlatan is going to be there around uh, for the uh, for, for the next big tournament, I think they have got really good players around. Uh, you know, a good goalkeeper in Robin Olsen. You look at Augustinsson as a left back, he's a very good player. Emil Kraft, uh, well, he's a decent enough right back. You know, Anthony Alanga, Dejan Kulusevski, Emil Forsberg, so Alexander Isak, obviously. So, you know, they have a very good squad. As for Poland, they were missing uh, a very big player in. Uh, in Matthew's click for this game, you know, they had to be very, very particular in what they had to do in this game. Robert Lewandowski did uh, rest in his uh, in, in, in Poland's friendly game, but he obviously had to play this one because, you know, obviously it's Robert Lewandowski and you can't bench him for such a big game. I thought Poland were, were quite poor in terms of how they had to play this game. I expected a lot from Poland, but they didn't really live up to my expectations. Uh, if you look at if if you look at the absentees for Poland, you know they they didn't have Arkadiusz Milik. Matthias Klick, as I said, was not available for this game. Masie uh, uh, Rybas, the uh, right back, who's been a very big a very good player for uh, Poland, plays for Lokomotiv Moscow in in at this point in time now. Former Lyon player, uh, if you if you might uh, recall or if you do. Uh, watch the French league that much you might get uh, might recall him he he was also absent from this uh, uh, Polish lineup uh, you look at Arkadiusz Milik I mean he, he can be a very good player as well for Poland you look at uh, Kamil Jozwiak who plays for Derby County he can be a very important player for them going forward uh, Christoph Piotek wasn't uh, required to come on in the game uh, I thought Krikowiak as well, when he came on the pitch, he was really, really good, showing off all his experience of playing so much football at the highest level, still going strong at the age of 32. I mean, obviously 32 is not a huge uh, amount of... Uh, uh, it, it's not a big talking point right there. But yeah, Robert Lewandowski is going to the World Cup. It's a big PR for him. You know, do is this team some someone who can actually upset the apple cut i don't think so i mean i think this team can at most they can get out of the group stage I, I don't believe that they're gonna challenge any other team for the uh, for for an upset i do think they have got very very good players uh, look at uh, uh, the likes of uh, jan bednarek you know bartos berzinski who plays for Sampdoria. i thought uh, kamel glick as well played really well the guy who plays for benevento in uh, Italy uh, in Italy, Italy's second division. Matty Cash was really, really good as well. So you know, we've got a very good goalkeeper in uh, Wojciech Szczesny. So it's a very good team in all, but just think the pieces can't just fit together. You know, if they can play both Arkadiusz Milik and uh, 
of Robert Lewandowski up front. I mean, they can get more productivity, but then again, you need to fit pieces around them. I don't think that they're much equipped with those pieces. So obviously, you've got two very good uh, attacking midfielders like Piotr Zielinski and, uh, and Gregor Krikoviak, you know, can really utilize them in a very good way. So, but it's, it's up to the manager how they do it. But so. I, I don't know what's what they're going to do. I think again, you know, the manager uh, who's been appointed just uh, just just now. I mean, he he made a very good change. He played Krikoviak in central midfield as he uh, pulled off uh, Jakes Goralski from the from the team and got him in. You know, I think it really played well into the hands of. Uh, in, in, into the hands of Polish national team I thought they played really well and then I don't think they played really well obviously but they in the end I guess with the with, with all the mistakes that uh, that Sweden made I think they they deserve to go through in the end so Wales and Gareth Bale are one game away from making it to the Qatar World Cup in 2022. It was a fantastic game for Gareth Bale on a personal level after he missed the Classico just six or seven days ago for Real Madrid. Now he shows up here in Cardiff and just steals the show for his country. It was a very, very good game for him as, as a collective for Wales. I thought the two fullbacks in uh, Connor Roberts and Nico Williams played really well. I thought Aaron Ramsey played really well. He got some minutes against uh, for for Rangers in uh, the Scottish Premiership. He also bagged a goal in his first start in the Scottish Premiership. Again, very good, handy contribution for him. Uh, Joe Rodon played really well in this game. I thought I, I've always said that he's a very very good player. Uh, I thought uh, Daniel James missed some chances. Made he, he he's a guy who is is going to be really important for Wales because he's someone who can make those starting runs in there. You know, he's got some pace to hurt the opposition. So, I th I think he's a very very good player if he if he's used properly. I thought Joe Allen is such an important player for uh, Wales over the years. He's been so consistent amongst uh, um, um, amongst all the all the other guys. I, th I thought he's. He played really well as in 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 just in front of the defence. Uh, I thought uh, even Harry Wilson played particularly well. I he's on loan from. Uh, I I know he's playing for Fulham right now. He's not on loan from Liverpool, so uh, he played. So. In all, I think Wales played really well and now they're going to play the winner between the game of uh, Scotland and Ukraine. And We don't have real clarity on when, when the game will be played. I hope that it is played in the most proper conditions and what I mean uh, is to say that uh, Ukraine should be given a bit of wriggle room here and there and maybe that's, that is the game which will be played around in, around in May or June because depending on the schedule of how these two teams might just do it the final is going to be in Cardiff so it's a big plus point for Wales and we'll have to see what happens next with Gareth Bale you know it is it is going to be really really good uh, to see how things pan out for the Welsh superstar in the near future so some really crazy stuff around in Africa as we have got the five teams who will be going to the Qatar World Cup later this year and it was some really big games some really exciting games to be honest and uh, 
you know, the big game of them all was uh, Senegal against Egypt, Salah versus Mane. I thought Senegal played really well in the first leg as well against Egypt, but they were unlucky to not get a goal. I thought uh, Egypt defended really well, they defended valiantly, and then they reaped the rewards for it. But in the second leg, uh, Sadio Mane netted in the first goal just uh, well, inside five minutes, and then, you know, they had a bunch of chances. I thought Senegal played really well. I thought the defence was... The, the defence looked unbreachable for, for me. You know, they played exciting football. I thought they have got the quality to get on the pitch, in and around the pitch. I thought they played they outplayed Egypt on many fronts. Uh, if you look at the way uh, most of Sadio Mane played, it was really good. If you look at uh, the way... Ismail Assar played. He had a very good chance, by the way. Ismail Assar couldn't score. By the way, I'm sorry, it was not Sadio Mane. It was uh, Bolai Dia who uh, opened the scoring for Senegal in the first, in the fourth minute. Very fortunate goal, by the way, for Bolai Dia. So uh, my apologies there. Uh, as for as for Egypt, I thought they played really, defended really well, as I said. In this game as well, El Shanavi played extremely well in goal. You know, he was one of the main points of why Egypt were in the in the tie from the first leg because I thought Senegal deserved to win the game uh, on both the occasions. Uh, the manager of Egypt, Carlos Queiroz, uh, the Portuguese guy, he's now going to relinquish his uh, job title. He's no longer the uh, manager of the Egyptian national team, so he will leave it. Uh, I thought this, this Egyptian national team is more centred towards Mo Salah. They have got very good defenders. You know, they've really robust they can defend really well for uh, large parts of the game but you know in the midfield it's a bit scratchy you know Mohamed El Neni you can't actually expect much from him he's got his own limitations I thought uh, Trezeguet can be a really good player but in the end he's kind of a bit lost between himself you know he's not having a good season at Istanbul Basak Sahir so you know a lot falls on the on, on the shoulders of Mo Salah uh, I thought they Again, you know, defensively, they, they can be really, really good as well. But in the attack, you know, if Mo Salah's not having a good day, you know, they, they're not, they're not going to be playing very well. As for Senegal, I think, they, for, for me, you know, they're one of my dark horses for the World Cup. I think they can make a really big run into the World Cup. Uh, they can upset some teams because on paper, this looks as a recipe for disaster for very very good teams around in the globe you know they can make life difficult for you you know they have got really good defenders around the pitch you know Abdou Diallo, Khalidou Koulibaly you know even uh, Pape Cisse you know he's a very good player they have got good defensive midfielders as well you know you look at Nampalais Mendy who plays for Leicester City Idrissa Ganagay is one a player you know Bounassar plays for plays as right back for Bayern Munich but he played in the midfield for uh, Senegal this in this game you know you look at Saliusis who plays for Nancy's um, Foreman Angers uh, left back so he can be a very good option as well for them uh, they have got really good players as I said you know they can really hurt big teams around in the world you know they, ha they have got themselves to uh, they, they have got to push some confidence into themselves. They have got a very good goalkeeper as well, not to forget that, Eduard Mendy. So, you know, I think Senegal can really be a bad draw for anyone who gets to the World Cup. Uh, Nigeria against Ghana, it was, uh, again, a very, very big game. I thought Ghana, uh, in the end, you know, 
not particularly happy with the way Ghana played, but uh, obviously, you know, the night for Nigeria it's going to hurt because they've lost on a very goal through. Uh, Thomas Partey scored a very, very good goal, by the way, just opened the scoring. Uh, William Ekong and then uh, got the ball in the back of the net from the penalty spot. So it was not particularly the best ways to uh, get this uh, game done in the got away got through on the away goals rule not particularly a big fan of it but again it has all it, its own pros and cons by the way i haven't touched on uh, the egypt and senegal match where in the penalty shootout mo salah was just bombarded with the uh, uh, with with those laser beams, it it looks bad, you know. I know, you know, some of the Africans think that you know it's kind of a karma for Egy Egyptians who have historically used this uh, laser beams to uh, get the better of their oppositions in 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 the past. But you know, it does not look good, and it shouldn't be done. Uh, Algeria against Cameroon, it was a very very big game as well. You know, such an important game for both these teams. They have got really good squads around there, but. In the end, Cameroon played better. I, I don't think so. You know, Algeria had some really good chances in the entire game. I thought Belayli, Yusuf Belayli, had, had to score one chance. Uh, Islam Slimani also had one big chance in the end. The Sporting Lisbon uh, centre forward, but he couldn't take it. Uh, Riyad Mahrez won't be going to the World Cup, so you know, sad, sad day for him. As for Cameroon, they have got a very good team. I think they have got really good players who can. Uh, who can step up to the plate on on various occasions? You know, Eric Max and Chupamoting, who scored the first goal in regulation time, and then uh, Toko Ikambi, who scored the almighty winner in the 124th minute. I mean, what a time to score a goal! We played the entire game, obviously. Uh, Andre Onana is going to go to Inter now from Ajax. So, uh, some really good players around. You know, maybe you know they have Joel Matip coming back. You know, I don't know what's going on with him. I mean, he can really strengthen this uh, Cameroon side now into the World Cup. By the way, some bad scenes after the uh, after it was after it was all over. You know, uh, didn't like it on a personal level. You know, in the end. Uh, in, in, in the end, it's all bad. It, it's all well. Cameroon going to the World Cup. Uh, Morocco against uh, Congo. It was a very one-sided game, by the way. In the second leg, uh, Morocco scoring four goals uh, to Congo's one. You know, uh, Azidine... Azedin Unahi, you know, I'm not really pronouncing his name properly. Uh, the Angers midfielder scored twice. Uh, Ashraf Hakimi netted once, and it was a goal for Tariq Tissouali. Uh, played really well, by the way. The entire Moroccan national team. They have moved away from Hakim Ziyech now. Uh, they have got really good players again. You know, a very good goalkeeper in. Uh, in Mehdi Bono, who plays for Sevilla, you know, Romain Saiz is a very good player as well. Naif Aguer, the guy who plays for Ren, another good player. You know, you always have Ashraf Hakimi in there. So, you know, players can really, they have got players who can really uh, get themselves back uh, and ha make life difficult for the opposition. But, you know, in the end, you know, the quality always uh, always shows up for for teams like Morocco. By the way, Congo also have got some really good players. You look at the likes of Juan Ewisa, who recently scored a goal for Brentford against Leicester City, if I'm not wrong. Uh, Masuaku, the player who plays for West Ham United. They have got Chancellor Mbemba, a very good defender who plays for, uh, for FC Porto. Uh, they also have got uh, Edo Kayembe, who plays for Watford. So they have got players who 
do have some really good experience at a big level, but they can't really get it together. And that's what I saw. I think they played really well in the first leg at home where they drew 1-1. But in the second game, you know, it was always going to be difficult for them. Uh, Tunisia against Mali, it ended in a 1-0 victory for Tunisia after they beat Mali at, away, away from home in the first leg. Uh, really good story for them you know obviously you know both these teams haven't been at the world cup in their entire history now they get the chance to get to the world cup it's it's a bit of a it's a bit of a story for it it makes up five get five games by the way it was a very good game to be honest if i'm not really uh, if if you think i'm not really getting into the game i thought the uh, mali players played really well i thought bubakar koyate in in defense was was tremendous the guy plays for Mets uh, Hamari Traore as well played decent football at right back uh, Abdullah Diaby uh, the guy who plays for uh, Jazeera Abu Dhabi if you know him uh, he at times played for Sporting Lisbon that's the way I knew him uh, again players like Amadou Haidara all those guys Yves Bissouma uh, who's uh, given up on his uh, French uh, who's given up his French call-up. He's now going to play for Mali for his international career. He's He played really... He he was pretty decent. Uh, Musa Jenepo, who plays for Southampton, also had a good game. And the other is Mayaku, who plays for... Uh, Samaseku, I'm sorry, plays for Hoffenheim, was uh, pretty decent as well. He's had a decent season in the Bundesliga as well, but, you know, in the end, uh, Tunisia get the get the nod ahead and they are going to the World Cup for 2022. So that's the four team, the five teams from Africa, Cameroon, Mali, uh, Cameroon, Tunisia, Senegal, Morocco and Ghana. Uh, all the best to all the teams and I will really round up all this uh, the, the entire teams as we end the pod. So in CONCACAF we have got the three teams which will be playing in the World Cup. They have been confirmed. It's USA, Canada and Mexico. USA finished third in their qualification table as they lost on the final day to uh, due to Costa Rica. It was a very good game by the way for the Costa Ricans. I thought Lernavas played really brilliant saves of uh, uh, of the US players uh, then Costa Rica obviously uh, uh, scored twice you know Juan Vargas scored off a corner and then Anthony Contreras uh, also netted in a goal it was a half shot a half cross from Jurison Benete and then uh, Anthony Contreras was at the end of it to make it 2-0 before the hour mark for Costa Rica it's a very good game, by the way, for Costa Rica to win. They have been really good in the World Cup qualifiers. Uh, the the last loss, I th- uh, the lo- the last drop points was were against, if I'm not wrong, was were against Canada itself. Where I, I, I'm I'm not so sure. I think it was against Canada, where or, or against Jamaica. I'm not so sure. It was back in November. Yeah, it was against Canada on 13th of November, where they. Uh, when when they were beaten one nil away from uh, away from home, uh, by the way, Costa Rica have been really good. They have got a very good goalkeeper as well, some good players. You know, obviously uh, Juan Vargas uh, from Mia uh, Millonarios. Uh, you know, not particularly good at uh, spelling the name, but they've got really good players around in the pitch. You know, can cover the ground up really easily as for USA you know another game another disappointment for them in my opinion they haven't really been uh, at their very best they're missing some players Brendan Aronson not playing Serginio Dest Vesta McKenney not playing so three big players who well, 
probably my starting eleven were not playing this game. Uh, obviously, this team would look better when players like Weston McKennie will come in. I thought uh, Miles Robinson had a very, very good game, and uh, even Walker Zimmerman, who plays for Nashville, uh, had, a, had a really, really nice game in the end. Uh, Zach Steffen made some really good saves, some very smart saves, to be honest. Uh, but in the end, I thought uh, Costa Rica deserved to win. Mexico uh, won 2-0 against El Salvador. That's not something that we should talk about. Panama, by the way, uh, won against Canada. A goal from Gabriel Torres in the 49th minute uh, was enough to, for the Panama national team to get the better of uh, the Canadians. But now, they well, they would if they would have actually disappointed USA, then it would have been a very, very interesting interesting game between them and Costa Rica today so too little too late for them uh, but now obviously we'll have to see what happens with uh, Costa Rica as they will play Swit no, they will play New Zealand in Qatar uh, it, it would be a really interesting game you know they have to uh, uh, they, they will have to be at the, at the level best now the winner of this game will go to the World Cup uh, and qualify uh, for the Qatar World Cup obviously gather up the uh, one of the three vacant spots uh, in, in June uh, obviously for Costa Rica Keylor Navas is going to be one of the best players around in the in the game you know would be his last time when he plays for Costa Rica so we'll have to see what happens there in the in the uh, Conmebol World Cup qualifies Peru hold on to their fifth place as they uh, as on the final day, they beat Paraguay at home. A goals from Gianluca Lapadula. Obviously, he was going to score. And Yoshimar Yotun. Uh, obviously, Lapadula is going to be the big star for Peru going into the World Cup if they do go. The guy plays for Benevento at the highest level. So, uh, we're going to expect things from him. As for Paraguay, they really didn't put up a fight in this game. I'm, I'm sorry to say this. Uh, Ecuador against Argentina. You know, it was kind of a warm-up game for Argentina for, for some of the guys around in Argentina they've got a very good squad by the way to be honest Argentina you know going into the World Cup they have got a set players you can play in the midfield Paredes De Paul I'm not so sure on the third one you know a lot of guys saying that it would be uh, uh, Giovanni Lo Celso I'm not so spent on him I would rather have uh, someone like Guido Rodriguez who gives me a lot balanced defensively or someone like a uh, uh, Ezekiel Palacios, uh, who can play a really nice game in the central midfield. Uh, as far as uh, the striking partnership goes, I think Messi and Lautaro is obviously going to play. Di Maria will play, I guess, in a 4-4-2 for the uh, Argentinian national team. I think uh, the defence is particularly sorted out with Otamendi and uh, uh, the likes of uh, Christian Romero playing in the back four. Uh, you always have Emmy Martinez and Rui in the goal, so you've got some really good options around in the back. Uh, it looks good for Argentina. You know, they've obviously Angel Di Maria said that he's going to retire from international football after the World Cup. So it was his last game against Venezuela last last week. So really nice send off for him and for Messi as well you know he said that he's going to evaluate some things after the World Cup and see where it leaves him Venezuela against Colombia it was a very sorry game for the likes of all the Colombian national fans um, Luis Diaz James Rodriguez they're not they're not going to go to the World Cup they have a very very good team by the way you know to be honest Colombia uh, you know look at all those guys who not played in this game uh, 
obviously Juan Cuadrado wasn't available in this uh, in, in this game. Uh, they played the, uh, they, they played Daniel Munoz in as as a right back. You know, also had to play Luis Inestera from Feyenoord as uh, the right forward. You know, James Rodriguez had a fantastic game, netting a penalty as well. Uh, William Barrios and Jefferson Lama, two very good players to play in the central midfield. They're not playing. Uh, they were not playing Jerry Mina. Uh, I mean, he, him and Devinson Sanchez have a very good relationship on the pitch uh, in terms of defence. So they, they are out because uh, they miss out by just a point. They have a better goal difference, but they just miss out by a point. Uh, you know, they... They they had so so many draws in the in 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 their qualification. You know, obviously that game against Argentina away will hurt them. That game against Peru, where they played at home, will hurt because they can't, couldn't get a win. They also were defeated by. They, they also dropped points against Paraguay, and they also dropped points against Ecuador. So. It, it's going to hurt them at some point. The so many drop points, you know, it's not going to go very down easily for 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 Colombia uh, as of now. So you know they have lost out. So we have got our twenty ninth World Cup in Qatar next uh, for next year. So you know in in total, you know, we have got three games to go. So Australia will play UAE in a. Uh, Australia will play, by the way, UAE in a game, which uh, and their winner will play the Peru on by Peru on the uh, in May, and it would be determining the one winner who would go through the uh, Qatar World Cup. Uh, as for the uh, as as for the next spot, it would be Wales against the winner of Scotland against. Uh, Scott against the winner of Scotland and Ukraine, which I don't know when it's going to be played. Uh, it would the final will be played by the way. The Wales game will be played in Cardiff, so no problems there. Uh, you also have got the one big game between Costa Rica and New Zealand. I'm, I've got very little idea of uh, where in the end, so we'll have to see what happens uh, uh, there as well. Uh, we'll have to see a, a lot of. Uh, the things are yet to be confirmed. The the pots have been filled right now. You know, the uh, the rankings have been out, so we'll have uh, we'll have uh, all the pots ready. I'll uh, I'll speak to you how the pots have been lined up as far as far as today goes. In pot one, it is Qatar, Brazil, Belgium, France, Argentina, England, Spain, and Portugal. Uh, in pot two, it is Netherlands, Denmark, Germany, Switzerland, Uruguay. Croatia, USA, and Mexico. In pot three, it is Iran, Japan, Morocco, Serbia, Poland, South Korea, Senegal, and Tunisia. In pot four, it is Canada, Cameroon, Ghana, Saudi Arabia, Ecuador. The winner and the three places will be taken on the winner of the three uh, pending games. So that's it from me today. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. And if you have got any queries, be sure to check into my Instagram account. It is weeklypod.ott on Instagram and weeklypod underscore ott on Twitter. Do follow me there. Uh, we will be meeting after the first legs of the Champions League. Not being going, I'm not going to review the uh, the, the weekend games of, uh, in club football. We have got some very good games. You know, obviously the Derby d'Italia, uh, Dortmund playing Leipzig, obviously United playing Leicester City, obvious, uh, obvious game to watch out for. You know, title race in England. Uh, we have got Watford playing Liverpool, I guess, and then Burnley 
at Turf Moor playing against Man City. So some big games to watch out for. Uh, be sure to check into my podcast when I do upload it after the first leg of the Champions League. Until then, be sa- be, be safe and take care of yourselves. Cheerio.